welcome to Minute 24 of As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. I am Darren, your host, and with me today, I have Phil Gonzalez. Hello, Phil. Hello there. And I have Shannon Camp returning. Hello, Shannon. Hi. And today, our minute starts with Cher um, giving giving Ty the, uh, the tour of campus, introducing her to the, the Persian Mafia. Um, and then at the end, uh, we get a quick cut to the cafeteria... Uh, where Radiohead begin to play. Uh, and that's the end of our minute. Um, <clears throat> so this minute is mostly um, Cher concluding her introduction to, I would say cliques, but there's only two that are mentioned by name, which are the AV Club right. from the previous minute and the Persian Mafia. And then there's Elton with the Popular Boys, which includes Murray, and then that's it. There's no, there's no further cliques to be introduced. It's like that's it. Uh, that's everyone. Well, Clueless doesn't necessarily posit a world like Mean Girls or the Bratz movie, for example. I'm sure we're all familiar with the Bratz movie, where the yeah. school is like completely divided into cliques, and you only hang out with people in your clique because I would say from like the class scenes and the party scene, it seems like even if you have your group, people do tend to socialize with each other outside of that, which is true to life. Yeah, I was going to say like, you know, um, Mean Girls and it's kind of like click introduction thing where it has like the whole um, dining hall and every table is assigned a different clique. Like that's kind of notorious. And even um, even like um, She's All That and 10 Things I Hate About You, they have a similar scene to this where someone tells everyone who all the different types of people are um but yeah this isn't really this isn't really doing that it's just it's just an excuse to get to elton and murray um and elton he is a vision in um <laughs> i don't know what um uh, what I, I don't know how to describe him he's wet they identify him as wearing the white vest um but he's also wearing like um like a kind shirt of, and a jacket. And yeah, a... like a burgundy, burgundy trousers with his sweater vest tucked into it and his kind of burgundy jacket and he's on his phone. Um, and the person... He, he does ma- have a he does have a tucked-in card. Is that a... Is, he, is it a tucked-in... It looks like a tucked-in cardigan. I assume it's... That's the vest, but... Yeah. It's not very flattering. It might be a cardigan no. vest, like a sweater yeah. vest that buttons down. I think all of these oh. are supposed to send cues that he's kind of more stuffy and snobbish than yeah. the uh, the rest of the group. Well, there is a guy on the, who's sitting on the, the end on the right, and uh, he appears to have like a scarf draped around his, his neck. And um, I know that this has been addressed in other minutes by other guests and other hosts, that everyone seems to be dressed a lot warmer than you would expect for California. And that is because this film was filmed during November and December of 1994. So it was actually (laughs) quite cold. So when members of the cast are wearing several layers in what is supposed to be a sunny place that everyone thinks is kind of like, you know, California, you don't think people wear many clothes. Actually, people were quite cold on the set for quite a lot of the time. And so that's why they're all wearing quite a lot of clothing. Um, Murray has a basketball with him and he is talking with the the rest of the popular boys um, none of whom we will ever see for the rest of the film Um, good, boys don't matter I don't I don't recall Murray. Like, I don't know if this is meant to indicate that Murray is a jock or if he just likes basketball or... No, he's just cool. That's his after-school activity is being really cool. Well, he makes it very clear, I believe in this minute, that uh, he is consciously participating in uh, the tropes of his own 
per, like externally perceived racial and social and uh, economic status. Like he is well versed in how to be a quote unquote African American teen, close quote in California. <laughs> like he is he is living a a self consciously living a stereotype. He says that himself like he he makes that abundantly clear that he has studied how to be uh how he wants people to perceive him so i'm wondering if the basketball is just part of that if he's like all right this is this is part of the uh, stock in trade as far as this character goes that i am playing for you because he's extremely he's extremely smart and uh uh and shrewd as to how as to as to how he talks how he presents himself yeah yeah I was going to say, just before we get Murray walking up and delivering his great speech about um, about the use of pronouns and street slang, uh, we get Cher giving one of her, her kind of rules about things, which is, if you're going to date a high school boy, which obviously is something that she would never do, but if you are, <laughs> these are the only acceptable ones. Right. And of course, that, that prompts Ty to ask, which one is your boyfriend? And Cher, of course, says the title of this show, which is, As If. And Dion is like, Cher's got an attitude about high school boys. And I love the next line because it's like, it's a personal choice every woman has got to make for herself. Now, I'm going to guess that by the time you're out of high school as a woman, you don't really want to be dating high school boys. So <laughs> the choice the choice has a finite time that you, ha you have to make this in. And uh, I guess Cher has decided. But I think there's something to the phrasing of all of this of uh, women and boys when so often in pop culture and conversation we hear about men and girls so i do like that the film kind of slyly toys with the the idea that the the young female characters are not obligated to even feel <laughs> attracted to these high school boys because they can be kind of silly and slovenly so yeah, you know, I'm kind of with Cher on this one. But I, it also raises it raises that the eternal, like, interesting social uh, question of, like, yes to all that, but also any college guy who's seen dating a high school girl is <laughs> – there's a skeeziness to that. Like, Oh, absolutely. Like, Just like, look so, at the guys from Heathers, the college guys who hit on Veronica and Heather Chandler well, yeah. and, like – coerce heather chandler into a blowjob they are definitely huge creeps oh yeah so there's this like really weird like catch-22 in the whole situation where like you uh you know you the, the high school boys the high school boys are too immature to appeal to the high school girls but any college age guy who finds high school girls appealing is there's something a little cretinous about that. Unless you're Paul Rudd, baby. Unless you're, unless you're Paul Rudd, but he doesn't age. He is still 15 years old. I was watching Ant-Man last night, and it could have been filmed the same year. Yes. He looks identical. Yes. Yeah, we sat down. We were watching this. We were watching Clueless uh, uh, just the other night, and uh, the, the, the Paul Rudd walks on, and then there's the, oh, my God, is that Paul Rudd? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it's Paul Rudd. It's like, oh, wait, wait, wait he doesn't, he's never changed. He looks exactly the same. Yep, there he is. Did your teenager notice that no 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 no. my partner noticed that okay because i was like i would love the idea of a teen who's like seen paul rudd and like ant-man and some of the other stuff he's been more recently watching clueless for the first time and being like what the f yeah, you, paul rudd is dorian gray like now i mean if the camera gets close to his face now you're like okay there's some crow's feet donald Faison looks even more ageless if that were oh, yeah. possible god yeah 
Let's get into Murray approaching uh, Dion for five dollars, which <laughs> I've got to say, probably these days buys you nothing. Like the buying power of the dollar has certainly gone down. But yeah, like he he approaches for five dollars really aggressively. Yeah, uh, with his whole so funny. His body language is so funny. He's got his shoulders up by his ears, and he's like wiggling around from side to side. It's it's really good. And of course, Dion has repeatedly uh, said, "Don't call me woman." <laughs> yes. Go, Dion. And then he does. It's funny actually because Cher says that it's a personal choice every woman has to make. Then Murray says, "Woman, let me find her." Yeah. And then she says, "Don't call me woman." So there's like three lines in a row where "woman" is being used in different contexts, which I think is just—it's like beautiful how quickly yeah. it goes past. But you're like, and then of course Murray gives his wonderful speech, which I think Phil should say because. Uh, I think it'd be interesting to hear Phil's take on uh, on Murray's breaking down street slang. Well, what he says is, he says, Okay, but street slang is an increasingly valid form of expression. Most of the feminine pronouns do have mocking, but not necessarily in a misogynistic undertone. And then he gives this <laughs> face, this like <laughs> face and like runs off. He sticks out his tongue and bites it, but he yeah. has braces. So it looks like 10 times more hilarious. It's so good. That's one of those monologues that as an actor, you dread because... <laughs> it's all tech speak and you hate having to memorize it and you're going to have to rehearse that in front of a mirror like 17 times but he nails it he nails it he nails it he does but he doesn't get the five dollars so he it seems like a wasted trip <laughs> <laughs> it feels like he was just he didn't need the five dollars he just wanted to see if he could get five dollars yeah, i don't think any of these kids <laughs> needs the five dollars <laughs> Uh, but to uh, turn once more, as we did last episode, to the costuming in this moment, uh, Darren uh, mentioned that the costume designer said she didn't want to dress anyone in that much black. And it shows because the costumes are typically very colorful. But in this scene, Dion is wearing a lot of black with a pop of pink. I think it's kind of meant to set her apart from the other girls as more like womanly and mature because she has a boyfriend with whom she has this like it seems to the teens that the way they talk to each other is so grown up. Um, and that pop yeah. of pink kind of emphasizes her femininity and underlines the whole woman idea because she's wearing that bright, bright pink, which is, you know, typically the girl's color. So I think that's why she's wearing black is to make her seem like, oh, she's a little bit more of the world. And before we get on to Cher's dress, which is an important dress, yes. I would like to point out that in between Cher and Dion, there is a girl walking behind them wearing a plaid skirt and this top that has like a, uh, I don't know, like a five-pointed, it looks like a clover, but it's yeah, black. Yeah, kind of a clover, yeah. Yeah, and she will actually turn up in the next minute because she's in the lunch queue behind Ty. Um, oh, lucky so... extra. She got a lot of fun stuff to do. Yeah, I was going to say, so I don't know if it's just they were short of extras on both of those days or what it was, but, you know, she gets, it's almost like she's stalking Ty. Uh, it's really weird. If you, if you notice her, it looks like she's stalking Ty from one part to the other, but I don't think she is. It's just a coincidence, but well, I, was gonna say, I thought I'd point that out. That moment where the, where the three are walking, and uh, if, you, if you freeze frame that at any point, the three actresses are where, are, they each have a physicality and a stride, and they're holding themselves in completely different ways uh, that 
at any point you can pause this movie and you know exactly who they are. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you look at Brittany Murphy, everything she's doing from the way she holds her head, the look on her face, the way she hangs on every single one of the words, the way she's playing with her fingers as she's carrying her notebook in a very awkward way. She's totally selling this character with hardly any lines. Um, And in a way that's not like fidgety and distracting. No, no. She is this every every frame of this movie is so carefully done and and thought out and that's through the characters as well like these actors are just nailing it with every in a way that you don't notice until you're looking at it frame by frame yeah of course well the mark of something really being great is it seeming effortless yeah and that's especially true when it comes to acting and i was gonna say like in talking about the, the way the three different uh women are dressed uh, Dion obviously has got her her kind of belly exposed uh, with the top skirt combination, and Cher is in a dress, and Ty is still in the kind of baggy clothes that she was in from the previous minute. So they're all not they're not even wearing like similar like types of clothing. They're each dressed slightly differently, not just with the color scheme or you know anything like that. So I think um, this is the most difference there's ever been between. Cher and Ty's costume, or not Cher and Ty, Cher and Dion's costumes in terms of them not, like, usually they practically color coordinate with each other. And I think that uh, a lot of the reason that goes back to the same reason Dion is wearing black, and we didn't even mention it, but she's wearing, like, this matching black, like, jacket blazer thing with her skirt. So even though her belly is exposed, it's almost like a mini power suit. Um, Whereas Cher is wearing this dress, which is one of her most unremarkable costumes, actually, in terms of, like, amount of embellishment, mm-hmm. which is important, I think. Um, but she's wearing this dress with an empire waist, like, which is a very uh, youthful cut because it doesn't really, like, showcase her body very much or her curves. So I think it's meant to make her look more girlish, whereas Dion looks more womanly by putting her in this, like, almost baby doll-type dress because... She's so virginal compared to Dion, who is technically a virgin, but more experienced in the ways <laughs> right. of love. And, of course, that dress will reappear in 10 minutes' time. Uh, being On worn Amber! By... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who, you know, does she prefer to be called um, a fashion victim, or is she ensemble challenged? I, you know. I think that's why it's notable that this is one of Cher's most unembellished dresses and it's the one that reappears because if amber were to wear like a yellow plaid skirt and matching blazer <laughs> everyone at the party would immediately be like why are you copying Cher's clothes right, right, right. but she thinks she can get away with it because she chooses one that's you know like not a standout and then she you know compliments it with that amazing beehive hairdo which i'm sure the people who get that minute will devote the proper amount of time to but also of note as i said in the last episode about amber always being in red it is a maroon dress and from out of nowhere um i mean i think this actually happened during the uh the tennis court minutes um, but Dion is now wearing a piercing in her nose, which she did not have earlier in the film. Oh, yeah. no. I don't see that as like a continuity error, though. You can take nose piercings in and out. I'm not saying it's a continuity error. I'm just saying it's it's a different it's a different thing that she's doing. Yeah, I was like, you're acting like almost surprised by it, and I didn't get it. Wait, wasn't she? She was wearing the piercing in the last scene, though, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. Cher yeah. is telling her to consider taking it out. Right, right, right. Uh, I mean, for for me though, this is the first time I'm seeing it, and it's really oh. prominent in one shot where she turns, and it's just basically. Gl- 
glinting. And this was at a time uh, when this was well, and this was at a time when wearing a, a nose ring was a statement. Like you didn't see teenagers with a lot of facial piercings at this point uh, in your gen- gen- generally in America. Uh, when someone got an eyebrow ring or a nose piercing, it was a big deal. It was a fashion statement. Uh, I remember at this being in high school and college and people getting nose rings, and it was something that people like gathered around to look at. It was still kind of a big deal. I'm going to tell you, uh, and I might cut this from the episode, uh, but when I was 18, I got a nose piercing and... <laughs> So as I as I watched so as I watched this episode, uh, both me and my best friend we both had uh, nose piercings. Um, so he had a ring in, I had just a stud in uh, uh-huh. that I would occasionally lose. Um, but I think I, I kept that until I was about twenty, and then I I was like, I just keep losing this thing. It's just a pain in the ass. I'm just going to let it heal over. <laughs> that is amazing. Oh, my God. Um, So is there anything else that stands out in this minute? Um, I think in the next minute we really want to get into kind of um, uh, the whole the parallels with Emma, because, you know, we get Ty and Travis and they're both they're both parallels of characters quite prominently in Emma. And this storyline is one of the most prominent ones in the book. So the only thing um, I wanted to add is that with his hat, Murray looks like a Pokemon master. That's about it. That's all I notice whenever he runs up in that hat. I'm like, oh, you look like a Pokemon master. I see what you mean. Yeah, I like that he's color coordinated. He's very color coordinated. The rest of his clothes. Yeah, Murray's got like, style. I think he's yeah. such, just a really confident character. I mean, not that Dion and Cher are exactly insecure, but you know, it, uh, he really has like um a very solid idea of who he is, and I think that's part of the reason he's good at picking up on other people like later on in the film he'll be the one to point out to the girls that christian is gay mm-hmm. and i think that he uh, in addition to being someone who's just charismatic and wins over friends that way is it's because he's uh, very sure of himself although i'll tell you the real reason why he's wearing a hat which is during the shaving scene which happens later on uh they only shave the top of his head because they didn't want him to appear bald for the rest of the film. So he has hair around the sides, but not on the top of his head. Oh, nice. And so in every That's scene, he wears a hat to cover that up. So <laughs> there you go. So if we're done with this minute, I think I'll, I'll go to plugs. Um, so um, I'll go with Phil this time. Phil, I believe you have something to plug. I just released the 50th episode of Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast, uh, with a guest, Mike Berenstain, who is... Uh, the current author and illustrator of the Berenstain Bears books is quite exciting. You can find it on iTunes. Go look for it. And Shannon? Yeah. Well, besides my regular podcast, Stage of Fools, which just finished uh, its regular run until the fall, you can catch me on John McCoy's podcast, Sophomore Lit. Uh, I'm on the most recent episode in which we talk about the short stories of Shirley Jackson and Flannery O'Connor. And obviously you can hear me on this podcast for the rest of the week. Uh, and also on episodes one to seven um, and possibly some other episodes coming up later on. Uh, but for the moment, uh, that is us done for today. Thanks for joining me. I hope you can join me tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll be here. OK, we'll see you then. Bye.
Thanks for listening to this episode of As If, the podcast all about Clueless. It's produced and edited by Darren Husted. This episode was hosted by me, Darren Husted, with my guests, Phil Gonzalez and Shannon Kemp. Like us on Facebook at As If, the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at As If underscore podcast. And follow us on Instagram, As If podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes or the podcasting app of your choice. And please rate and review if you enjoy. Clueless is owned by Paramount Pictures. No infringement is intended. All rights reserved. Copyright 2016.